0: Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And we've been seeing in these weeks that Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man, the Savior, the one who is the sacrifice and substitute for the sins of the world. Well, this morning, it's one of the most famous passages in the Bible. It's in the Word of God, it's the birth of Jesus. Usually, this passage, of course, is studied and taught at Christmas time. But as we're going, of course, verse by verse, passage by passage through the Gospel of Luke, we've come to this section. We've come to the fulfillment of the promise to Mary. She would have a son. He would be the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Israel, the Savior of the world. And as we look at this passage, we're going to see a number of famous things, famous events. The trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the birth of the baby, the angels appearing to the shepherds, the message uh, to the, uh, of the shepherds and their response. And as we look at this passage, realize this, that we're, we're, we're not just seeing a baby born in Bethlehem. We're seeing the baby, the Messiah. The child that was born, the son that was given, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the seed of woman, who would be the savior of the world. So as we think about that this morning, may we we'll be excited as we look at this passage. Well, you know, I love holidays. I do. It's a great time of celebration. Think, first of all, think of Thanksgiving. Well, I love Thanksgiving. A lot of times we think of turkey and food and football, but really it's the time. It's the time that we thank God for what he has done for us and what he has given to us. And, and then we think of Christmas, the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ, and we praise Him for the Messiah and the Savior. And then we think of New Year's, and as we look forward to the coming new and exciting year, and then we think of Easter, and Easter is that we remember the death and the resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, how He died on the cross, that He paid for sins, and and He rose again. So it's incredible. Special times in which we remember what God has done for us. Well, this, this morning is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. It is the only story in the Bible. Bible that I knew before I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior it's the Christmas story the birth of Jesus Christ and as we move through this great event we see God fulfilling his promise to the world to Israel to Mary good news of great joy to all the people the Savior has come into the world for each of us, we see that God has provided for us a Savior, the Son of God, the Word becoming flesh. We know that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. And, and uh, we owe God death, but God in His great love and grace and mercy has given us the Savior. And by faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. May we never, never take it for granted. May we make it known in this community. Well, let's begin. Last time we saw the birth of the forerunner of Jesus Christ. His name was John. Everybody calls him John the Baptist. We saw his father Zacharias, and when the son was born, he gave what we call the song of Zacharias, and he talked about the Messiah and that his son would, of course, be the forerunner. And John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. So as we get into chapter two, six months have passed. And as we look at this, we're going to see the birth of the Savior. Let me break down the passage for you so you can get it. We call it Luke two, one through twenty, the birth of Christ. That's the first seven verses. We see the then the announcement to the shepherds in verses 8 through 14 and then we see the shepherd's response beginning in verse 15 and going through verse 20. It's very powerful. We see in the birth of Christ the trip to Bethlehem and the birth of the son, and then the angels come out and and of course that's the story that as a little boy I remember the angels came and uh, the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were so much afraid and and all of this. Well we're going to see it this morning as we go through it there's a lot there. Well let's begin. Notice how chapter 2 verse 1 begins. It says in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. It says in those days, Luke wants us to realize, remember he started at the very first of the book, he said that he's gone around, he's checked everything out, he's investigated carefully from the beginning, he would give us an orderly account. So Luke is saying, listen, now I want you to know, this happened at a particular time in history. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that this census would be taken of the inhabited earth. And Luke says, this is an actual event that happened now before we he's going to give us background before we do that remember what happened mary after she found out she was going to have the baby jesus she went down to visit elizabeth and she stayed with elizabeth basically three months and then came back home we talked about it last week what's it going to be like when mary comes back to see joseph and she's three months pregnant and joseph says where have you been and she's well i went down to see elizabeth what have you been doing? I mean, what's going on? And she says, well, I've been wanting to tell you about this. Uh, what happened is an angel came to me and said the Holy Spirit was going to come upon me. And I'm going to have a son. Even though I'm a virgin, I'm going to have a son. The son is the Messiah and the Savior of the world. We're going to call him Jesus. And he's the Savior. What would you do if you were Joseph. You love her greatly You say, I've waited for you all my life But I don't believe that I just don't And so I want you to see what happened Look over, just turn back to Matthew chapter 1 And I want you to see the events We will see it very, very quickly Just want to put this together for you She comes back to see him And here's what we find And Matthew just gives us a little bit of information Hold your place in Luke Because we're going right back there Matthew chapter 1 We'll look at verse 18 And we'll see Matthew explains it in this way He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now he just sums it up and says, before they actually were, before they, uh, they, they, you know, when that we talked about the engagement period. To break the engagement had to be a divorce. But they're together, you know, they're not living together, they're not having sexual relations, they're not married yet. And so she comes and he says this, the, Matthew writes it down and says, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, that means he's a believer, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. He did not believe her. He just said, you know, as much as I love you, I just can't believe that. So what he's decided to do, being a righteous man, being a believer, he decided to put her away proudly because what he could do is, is do something public. He could bring her out in public, say that he was betrothed to this woman. She's had sexual relations with someone. In fact, she's pregnant. And they could stone her to death. They could put her to death He decided not to do that. In fact, what he decided to do was just make the whole thing secretly. He was going to put her away. Notice what happened. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, just exactly as she said. She'll bear the son, and you will call his name Jesus, that name means Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. He's, he's getting it. He's going, wow. Notice the angel explains, or Matthew actually says now, I want you to understand this how this fits. All this took place to feel what was spoken by by the Lord through the prophet. Behold the virgin shall be with a child. Isaiah 7.14 basically. Behold the virgin shall be with a child. She'll bear a son. and They shall name Emmanuel. Uh, which is translated God with us. And Joseph awoke from sleep. Did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Took Mary as his wife. Kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And called his name Jesus. Now Joseph was an incredible man. He believed, well, he didn't believe her, but when he went to sleep and an angel came to him in the dream and said, don't be afraid, go back to Luke 2 if you want to. He said, don't be afraid, because this is all true. Everything she's told you is true. He wakes up in the dream, he says, I believe it. That's exactly what it is. Look at Luke chapter 2. Again, verse 1. Now, in those days, you can see Mary and Joseph, and we can't tell from Luke chapter 2. You, you get this idea from Luke chapter 1 that they were married, but he had no sexual relations with her until the baby is born. You can't tell that from Luke. We'll see it as we go through the passage. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of the inhabited earth. This Caesar Augustus, also known as Octavian, he ruled from 27 B.C. to 14 A.D., and this decree goes out. The word decree literally is a census, a taxation. They were going to count the people so they could get better taxes. They wanted to make sure all the people there so that the Roman government could say, Now that we know who you are, we're going to tax you, says. It was the census taken of the inhabited earth. It was what we'd say the known world, where all the people were. Verse 2, he goes on to say this. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. If you've done any study, you know that sometimes there's some dispute on when did Quirinius govern. When was this? Well, this man's name was Publius Supplicius Quirinius. That's who he is. There's two ways to take what this says in the Greek. It could say that this decree was before. You could read it in the Greek that was before Quirinius was governor of Syria. You could read it just as uh, my New American Standard says it. It says this was the first census taken... ...when Quirinius was governor of Syria. We know from history that Quirinius in 7 AD... ...was ruling as governor when there was another census. So apparently Luke is getting it right. He just said this was the first census. There's going to be a second one later. Watch what happens everyone was on his way to register for the census east to his own city. What they required them to do was to go back, because if you remember the nation of Israel, the land was divided into the tribes, the twelve tribes, and the Levites who didn't have, have tri- didn't have a section of land, they had 48 cities. So wherever your tribe was and your family grew up, you had to go back to that city. We know that Joseph is a descendant of David. David was born in Bethlehem. In fact, the city of Bethlehem was named after David. They would say, this is is the city of David Bethlehem and so, here's Joseph and Mary. They're living way in the northern part of Israel. They've got to go. They've got to make the trip and go back to Bethlehem. Notice what it says. Everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. And then it says this. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. Now, Joseph went up from Nazareth, which is the northern part of Israel. Nazareth is 14 miles from the Sea of Galilee northern part of Israel. They have to leave there and make a journey of 90 to 95 miles, come south, and go to Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem means house of bread. It's Bayat Lahem. That's Hebrew. Bayat means house. Lahem means bread. It's the house, it's the house of bread. And so they've got to go to that city, and it's not a big town. It's only, some, some estimate it's as close as four miles to Jerusalem. Some estimate eight to ten miles from Jerusalem. They've got to go there because he was of the background. His family, Family was David David grew up in Bethlehem so they have to make this trip you realize that if Israel if the nation of Israel had not been conquered and the throne of David had continued then Joseph would be in the royal family because he was a descendant of David and I'm sure that if you said Joseph who's your background oh my I'm you know I'm yeah I'm from uh, my, my backgrounds uh, King David yeah yeah I'm pretty important he doesn't come across that way, but he could have said, yes, I'm in the house and the family of the greatest king. It says, it gives us some information about what's going on. And oh, by the way, by the way, realize that, uh, that God is in control. And notice what I have for you here, that God is sovereign, that Augustus is ruling. He's the emperor, but... God is in control. Now, if you look in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, don't turn there, but it said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Now, we already know that Mary and Joseph, they're, they're living up in Nazareth, and it's very close to time for her to have this baby. If we were watching, we'd go, we're in trouble. Oh, what are we going to do? They're in the wrong place. How they're supposed to be in Bethlehem if he's born in Nazareth the prophecy is wrong and if the prophecy is wrong he's not the Messiah so what are we going to do and God says look I'm in control don't have to worry about anything Augustus is ruling but I'm in control and so I'm going to have a I think there'll be a decree go out that everyone will have to go back to their hometown God is in control, and He moves them in a sense. They have to leave. Notice, Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and of the family of David. God is in control in every event of your life. He works all things according to the counsel of His will. He works all things together for good. You can trust Him and rest in Him no matter what is happening, because He's in control. Well, look what happened he says that he was of the house and the family of David in order to register along with Mary who was engaged to him and was with child now the way it's written in the greek it's in what they call the perfect tense which says who had been or who 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 has been engaged to him and it doesn't it doesn't imply whether they're already married or not it's just making the point that they are engaged now matthew implies that they're married And they have no sexual relations until after the baby is born. So you can't really tell exactly what's going on. How do you think Mary was perceived? We talked about this last couple of weeks. The people look at her and they say, Obviously this woman had sexual relations before she was married and she's pregnant. And probably the baby is not his baby. I mean, who is this child going to be? What kind of woman is this? Notice, while they were there, the days were completed... For her to give birth. I mean, it's time. It's the the time has passed. It's now, as as Galatians 4:4 4, 4 says, "In the fullness of time, God brought forth His Son." And fullness of time, literally, it can be translated in the right time, at exactly the right time. Watch what happens. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, what you picture is they had to make this long trip, possibly a three-day trip, 90 miles, 90 to 95 miles. Did they come straight down? Most Jewish people didn't come straight down. The northern part of Israel is called Galilee. The middle part was called Samaria, and the southern part was called Judea. And a lot of Jewish people would not even go through Samaria because the Samaritans half Jews, half Gentiles. So a lot of people would leave the north, go over to the Jordan River, cross over, go all the way down on that side, then cross back over. Did they make the long trip or the short trip? We don't know. She's going to have a baby and they're going slower than everybody else and by the time they get there, there's no room. Every relative, anybody they might know, anybody they might have ever known, there's no room for them. Some people, when they read this, it says there was no room in the inn. They think of, well, they got to the Holiday Inn and it was full, but it's not the Holiday Inn. It's, there's no room. The inns that they had in those days were not exactly what a family would want to stay in. And in a lot of cities, a lot of little towns, they would have these almost outside shelters that people could stay uh, for events like this. If it was a feast or something, they could come if they had no place to to stay. They come and there's no place for them to stay. And so they're obviously in some kind of outside area. And she gives birth to her firstborn son. She wraps him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. It says firstborn son. Now, the way the Greek is written there, it implies that she had more children. This is her first children. Now, the word firstborn can mean a number of things. It can mean rank and importance. Jesus, when the Bible says he's the firstborn of all creation, meaning he's the head of all creation. The Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, which means he's the first one to rise out from the dead, the first one of the resurrection. This implies she had more children. In fact, if you go to Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it lists four other sons that she had, and then it says, and daughters. First born under the Jewish custom He had the double portion That was sort sport of special But what we're really seeing She gave birth to her first born son We are seeing what is called the incarnation The word becomes flesh And dwells among us God becomes a human being now that's you know we just take it for granted we say well Jesus is God man can you picture God becoming a human being that's what we have and he didn't become a full grown man when he came he came as a baby. She brought forth her firstborn son. God enters the world as a person. Jesus Christ becomes a man so he can die for us, so he can be our substitute, so he can be our sacrifice. It says that she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. Manger is a feed trough. What they would do sometimes, they would take these strips and they would just wrap around the baby almost like a mummy, and it was to keep their arms straight and to make them feel secure and to keep them warm. And of course, the manger is a feed trough. Obviously, they're outside. There were animals, are normal fed and so they've got this little feed trough and they put the baby in there there was no place for them to go we're seeing probably one of the greatest events of all time God becoming a person God brings his son into the world. Who is this child? He is the son of God, he is the king of the Jews, he's the son of David, he's the Messiah, he's that the God man and the Savior and the King. The promised one of God, the seed of woman, the seed of Abraham, the greater son of David has come into this world. Now listen, he didn't come into a palace, he didn't come to the ridge, he didn't come where it's publicly announced, he came to a stall, he came to a poor family who were faithful. And is he going to be announced publicly? Well, not to what we'd call the rest of the the wealthy world. He's going to be announced to the shepherds. Who would God tell first? Notice verse 8. In the same region... There were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. In the same region, now outside Bethlehem, between Bethlehem and Jerusalem, there are fields, and and, uh, Bethlehem is just just a few miles from Jerusalem. And most of these shepherds, the best that we can understand, it literally says they were guarding a guard over their sheep. What sheep were these? Were they just their normal sheep? No, the best we can understand is outside between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, there were shepherds that kept sheep, animals that were used in the sacrifices at Jerusalem. Because you know, sometimes a person who lived in the northern part of Israel and he wanted to offer a sacrifice, they wouldn't necessarily take an animal 90 miles all the way down there and offer that sacrifice. They would go down there and they would buy an animal, a sacrificial animal. These were supposed to be the best animals, no blemishes or anything. So you'd come up and say, I gotta have a lamb. And you'd buy it, and then, since you were there, you'd go right onto the temple. Many believed that these shepherds were out there taking care of those animals that eventually would be used in the sacrificial system in Jerusalem. Why would God come to the shepherds? Well, a couple of things. First of all, Jesus Christ is the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. But there's a second thing. Look at this. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who would know better? The shepherds. What's going to happen? This is the thing I remember when I was a little boy. In that same region there were these shepherds and they were staying out in the fields and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were very Terribly frightened Of course When I grew up It was the King James And it said they were sore afraid We didn't know even what that meant We just thought it meant They were really afraid And they were can you imagine being out there? Your normal day, you're just doing your normal thing. At night, you're watching, and suddenly this light comes that is so bright because it's the glory of the Lord. And an angel appears to you, and you know it's an angel. that's scaring you. It's, you know, angels are so powerful. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. It's called the Shekinah glory. You remember when God makes His presence? Sometimes it's a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The glory of the Lord shone around about them. They were so afraid. Well, those shepherds, you can just see them through. What is this? What is happening to us? What's going to happen? It says literally they feared with a great fear. That's what it says. Angels are powerful beings. So we've already seen when the angel appeared to Zacharias, he was afraid. When the angel appeared to Mary, she was afraid. And now when this angel appears to the shepherds, they're afraid. But look what the angel says. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. Literally stop being afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people says, don't be afraid. Stop being afraid. i got this message for you. Look what it is. The good news message. It's the good news, which is great joy. Joy to all who hear it. For what? For all the people. Go to the next one. For all the people. Jews, Gentiles, all people. The angel says, I've got this message for you, which is good news, which brings great joy, which is for every person. So you understand that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he is the Savior of the world. He's not just the Savior of the Jews. He's not the Savior of good people. He's not the Savior of rich people. He's the Savior of every human being. Good good news, great joy to all people. We get to tell people a good news message. That's why the word good news, the angelion in Greek, is the word that we get for the gospel. He says, I've got a gospel message for you. What was the message? For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Today, in this, in the city of David, they knew that's Bethlehem, that's David's hometown, has been born for you a Savior. If you notice, I think we've got it right here, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, they understood what he was saying. A savior, not a good teacher. We got you this teacher that's going to give you this philosophy. No, no, no. We got this one who's going to come and start this religion that you can follow. No, he is a savior who will save his people from separation from God. The savior is born, the God man. Notice what he says Born this day in the city of David is a savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the God man. Isaiah said, Unto us the child is born, that's the man. Unto us the son is given, that's the son of God, the God man. He is the Lord. Unto us is born the Lord, who is Christ. Christ the Lord. The word Christ means Messiah. The word Lord means deity. He says, born this day in the city of David is a Savior who is the Messiah, who is God. That's what he's saying. Now, you know what? The baby born is God. The baby in that feed trough is the Savior of the world. That baby is holding the whole world together. We go, what a cute little baby. That's the cutest baby. Yes, it is. Savior of the world. Be careful. Be careful. This is what they've been waiting for. The seed of woman. The seed of Abraham. The son of David. The one Isaiah talked about. The one Daniel talked about. He is now here. Realize that night in the city of Bethlehem, the Savior came into the world. Some 2,000 years ago, God sent his son for you and for me. He's the Son of God. He is the one who would suffer and die on the cross. He is the one who would rise again. He is the one who conquered death. He is the one who's paid for sin. He is the one who gives eternal life to all who believe. That's why God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For every one of us in this room who has believed in Jesus Christ, you believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved forever. It's that simple. It's not your works. It's not church. It's not going to church. It's not being good. It's not being baptized. It's not being righteous. It's not all of your stuff. It is Jesus who is the Savior. You weren't born that night. Jesus was. He's the Savior. You're not. It's not your goodness, works, or righteousness. It's Jesus Christ who did it all. Angel says, of course, because they could be thinking, how are we going to find this baby? The angels angel said, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And this is how you find the baby. You'll go in there and lying in a feed trough, wrapped in cloths will be this baby. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Suddenly this multitude of angels, literally it says the armies of the heavens, It's God's angels. Angels praised God at the creation. Angels now praising God at the Savior who comes into the world. And they were saying glory to God in the highest. God gets all the glory. And he says, peace among men with whom he's well pleased. The only way that men can have peace is that God is pleased with them. And the way that God is pleased with them is when they believe in the Messiah. And the Bible says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. It's powerful. Well, shepherds, the, the angels are going to leave. Watch what happens. When the angels have gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds begin saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then, see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They begin to look at each other, and the way it's written in the Greek is they talked back and forth. What do you think? I think we ought to go. I think we ought to go. I think we ought to leave. these. Somebody's got to stay here, but let's go. Because we got to go see this thing which the Lord has made known to us. Let me ask you something. Do you believe the message? Because they did. And what are you going to do with this message? Because we're going to see what they did with the message. Verse 16. They came in a hurry and they found the way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. They found him just like I said. You could probably say, we're looking for a baby. Anybody seen a baby? Anybody know of any babies has been born? Well, there's one out that way. And you go up there and you go, no, that's not the right one. And then you find this baby in a feed trough wrapped in. You said, this is the one. This is the one that the angels told us about. And when they had seen this, verse 17, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. What was the statement? This child is the Messiah, Christ, the Lord, the Savior. That's what they said. This is the Savior of the world. The angels told us this is the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah. What are we to tell people about Jesus Christ? See, sometimes the only thing we talk about him is is Christmas. Oh, yeah, the birth. Let's don't forget about the birth of Jesus. We need to tell him he's the Messiah and the Savior of the world. Notice, and all who heard it wondered at all the things which were told them by the shepherds. The word wondered means marveled. It was, it was like amazing. They said, what are you talking about? Because you know when that baby was born, some other people probably said, hey, there's a baby over here. This lady just had a baby. And they're all around there. The shepherds come and say, let me tell you about this baby. You want to know about this baby? People said, whoa, I'm, I'm wondering about that. That's amazing. But Mary, treasured. All these things pondered them in her heart. And that idea is that she put them in her mind and she said, I'm going to remember this. Who knows about this baby? Who knows who this baby is? Well, Mary knows and Joseph knows and Elizabeth knows and Zacharias knows and the shepherds know. Notice, the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. They went back and started telling people. They were praising God. Messiah's been born. You know these shepherds had a lot of contact with people in Jerusalem. Because that's what they did for a living. They sold their animals up there to be used. And they were saying, you know what happened the other night? You're not going to believe this. This is the most amazing thing that ever happened to us. angel appeared to us. Messiah has been born. The one we have waited for all of our lives is here. They were giving glory to God. We see the birth of Jesus Christ. The promise, the seed of woman, the seed of Abraham, the son of David, he has come into this world. Everything fits perfectly. Right time, right place, right people, right everything. God is in control. Next time, the early days. We're going to see Jesus on the eighth day of his eighth day. And we're going to see Jesus on his fortieth day. And we're going to see what happens. God has a couple of people ready. And we're going to see that next time. What have we seen this morning? What can we apply? The first thing is this God's word is. True. It is. The promise. He promised the seed of woman, the seed of Abraham, son of David, the born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, the God-man. All came true. All came together perfectly because God's word is true. So as far as God's word is is concerned, number one, we need to know the word. That means you need to study it. Not only as we come together and I'm going to teach it and we're going to study it that way. Individually, you need to study the word of God so that you can know it and apply it in your life. Number two, you need to apply the word, live it out, base our lives on the scripture. And then the third thing is you need to pay Pass it on to others. Help others know the Word of God. That's why the Great Commission is to make disciples. That's evangelism and training. We lead people to Christ, and then we train them. So we want to do that. There's a second thing, and that is this. Believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. He is the Savior. I hope that every one of you in this room have already believed that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Just what the angels announced, that He is the Savior, Christ the Lord. That He is the one who died on the cross, paid for sins, and you have trusted in Him and Him alone for eternal life. He offers the gift of eternal life. That's why I put Ephesians "It It's by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. So I hope and pray, every one of you in this room, you can you can trust Christ right now. Right where you're sitting, you can say, I believe that Jesus Christ died for me, that He is the Savior. I'm trusting in Him and Him alone to give me eternal life. And by the authority of the Scripture, you have eternal life that exact moment. The last thing is proclaim to our world Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the good news, remember? The good news, I don't know if we have anything else, the good news is there, yeah, of great joy which is to all the people. You get to tell people. When we scatter out, see, sometimes we think, okay, we'll talk about Christmas at Christmas time. We get to talk about Jesus Christ all the time. We've got good news, which will bring people great joy, which is for every human being. The good news of salvation. So as we scatter out these doors, just think about this. Listen, I get to tell people we're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beg through us, did beseech through us. So just as the shepherds went and told all these people, we tell what we know. May we do it. May we trust God's word as we have believed in Christ as Savior. And then may we make it known to others. In our community. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. What a passage. Thank you for this morning. And, and the privilege of letting us see. A very famous. Familiar passage. Lord your word is true. It is exactly true. Every promise. Everything. Comes true. Just like you say. May we know it. The word. May we apply the word. And teach it to others. Lord thank you for Jesus. Being the savior. Christ the Lord. And I pray. If there's even one person. In this room. Who has never trusted in Christ. Lord I pray. Right now. They will believe in Jesus. For eternal life. And Lord I pray. For- All of us that we will, as we scatter into this community, we will proclaim to our world that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the only way to have eternal life, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. There is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved except the name Jesus Christ. May we proclaim it and we see people come to know Jesus as Savior. Thank you for this passage, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.